The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hi, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, corporate responsibility, also known as CR. Some people call it CSR, corporate social responsibility. So let's get down to it. How does your company score on the traditional scale of 1 to 10 for your at-home and global citizenship ethics and practices? That's a big question. Might be loaded for some of you. The bottom line is do your staff, your customers, your investors consider you a do-good company? Uh huh. Think about it. Today, your reputation with each of these audiences depends on everything from how do you treat your employees day in and day out? What's the buzz around the water cooler or whatever people use today? What about your business practices? Hey, how about your proactive environmental impact behaviors? You know what I'm talking about or lack thereof. And there is so much more. But take heart. It's not too late to gain points on the corporate responsibility scale. Uh huh. The experts speak. And I have a panel packed with people who really know their stuff on CR. First, we're going to be hearing from John Edelman from Edelman PR. And he sent me this quote. Efforts in sustainability, whether they have an environmental or social focus, must be holistic. In the end, the total impact is the sum of all its parts. Big global type of statement. We'll be hearing from John in just a couple of minutes and find out about the environmental and social aspects of CR. Also joining us today is Richard Crespin. Those of you wondering, it's spelled C-R-E-S-P-I-N of Crespin Enterprises. And he quotes the eminent Sir Winston Churchill. And I quote, all the great things are simple and many can be expressed in a single word, freedom, justice, honor, duty, mercy, hope. Boy, is that packed. John Richard has a lot to talk to us about, as does John. And here we are rounding out the panel with Paula Sullivan from CSC. And she quotes Mahatma Gandhi. We've got a very eloquent panel today. And the quote many of you are familiar with is, we must become the change we want to see in this world. Great quote from Paula. So join us for the next hour for corporate responsibility. Nice to have or must have. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We are live. It is Wednesday, May 15th, and part of my world is all down in Orlando, Florida at Sapphire Now 2013. I did 16 live influencer interviews yesterday, doing about another 14 today with co-producer Malcolm Kimberlin in what we call the Cone of Silence studio down there. So we're going to be busy. Welcome, everyone. If you're listening to us live, please tweet to us at hashtag SAP Radio. If it's not live, we'd still love to hear from you. We know many of you listen on demand. I have a quick question for my panelists. I want to ask them to join me in just a second, but I want to 
point something out for my listeners. Hey, do you know how mobility can transform your business? It can. We've got a free CIO playbook for you. Click any banner on our page on the business channel and go to a page with 10 free offers. Look for the CIO playbook. It's on us. Okay, my question to my listeners is, I hope you're going to put your seatbelts on because this is a really, really important panel discussion today. And to my panelists, I want to introduce you and have you say hello. John Edelman was appointed in 2010 as Managing Director of Global Engagement and Corporate Corporate Responsibility at Edelman PR. It's a new position focusing on Edelman's Global Citizenship, Sustainability, and CR, Corporate Responsibility. Welcome, John. My question for you is where are you calling from today? Hello, Bonnie. I'm calling from Chicago. Wonderful. How's the weather? Quick. Sunny, bright, finally, 80 degrees to be expected today. Love it. Send it over here to New York. It's a little gray and very cold. They don't have the heat on anymore here because it's middle of May and we're freezing. Thank you, John. We'll talk to you in just a minute. Joining us also is Richard Crespin, CEO of Crespin Enterprises. They're a boutique consulting firm advising businesses and nonprofits on how to work together to solve big problems. And he says every nonprofit is a business and every business has a social mission. And I quote Richard they just don't always know it or act like it. Richard, welcome, and where are you calling from today? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm here in your nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Wonderful. Delighted to have you join us. And is it sunny or cloudy, warm or cold down there? It's cloudy, but I think we're going to get that 83 degrees that uh, John talked about here in a few hours. Oh, my goodness. I feel so left out. And joining us, rounding out our panel, is Paula Sullivan. She works for CSC, a global IT business solutions company. She's part of the global team that leads on corporate responsibility across the world. Paula has led the way at CSC on CR, we're talking corporate responsibility, introducing the company's first environment and carbon footprint program and taking CSC to, this is impressive, platinum ranking level on the BITC CR index, the leading responsible business index in the UK. Paula Sullivan, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining me. And where are you calling from today, Paula? So I'm in uh, in cloudy England in the rain. Okay. Well, we hope we put a little sunshine in your life today. Thank you, Paula. Really appreciate your dialing in today. Okay. Let's go back into the monologue. Let's pull these quotes apart word by word. John Edelman from Edelman PR. Efforts in sustainability, whether environmental or socially focused, must be holistic. And you say, in the end, the total impact equals the sum of all its parts. Talk to me, John. What are we talking about? Where is the focus today? Is it environmental? Is it social? 50-50? What's going on? Okay. I think sustainability and corporate responsibility is everywhere. Um, Today, we live in a stakeholder society. It's employees, it's customers, it's our communities, it's our suppliers, it's our senior leaders. And corporate responsibility manages the relationships and issues important to these stakeholders. It's a holistic approach, as indicated by what's happened in in Bangladesh, the death of uh, 1,100 individuals due to a lack of safety or cutting cost is a reflection of the impact of why a holistic approach is necessary in corporate responsibility. Uh, This focus on holistic approaches is driven by today's lack of trust. There's an interrelationship of issues as exemplified by the Bangladesh issue, and there's a 24-7 news cycle. And these trends are reflected in our own research that indicates uh, societal factors such as treating employees well, 
and transparent business practice are more important to building future trust than operational factors such as delivering consistent financial returns. And this whole language is really current in today as there's been more and more holistic models talked about in, in recent years, uh, more, more recently in the past several months. There's, at Edelman, we're part of the International Integrated Reporting Council, which has a concept of six capitals as your framework to develop a, a financial and non-financial report as one report where you're talking about human capital, social capital, intellectual capital, uh, and others. There's also the recently announced Social Progress Index that Michael Porter has put out there that focuses on uh, basic human needs, foundations of well-being, and opportunity. And the Davos World Forum has a global competitive index. So as you can see, this concept of holistic approach to corporate responsibility is something that is happening today and is getting more important looking forward to the future. And how companies deal with this and address these in a proactive way is going to be a reflection of, of, of their own corporate responsibility as a global citizen and trying to make a difference in the world. Thank you, John. Great point of view, great level setting for us. Uh, later on in the show, I'm going to ask my three panelists if there is somebody in the C-suite called the CCO. I just made that up. That's the chief conscience officer. We'll come back to that later. I want to ask if, if corporate responsibility is a matter of conscience, awareness and conscience. We'll talk about that. Richard Crespin, all the great things are simple and many can be expressed in a single word. Freedom, what a loaded word. Justice, honor, duty, mercy, hope. I want to crochet this and put it on a wall somewhere. Great quote from Winston Churchill. Why did you pick this quote and how does it relate to our topic today of corporate responsibility? Richard? Well, I think it's a lot of some of the stuff that John talked about, and I think we sometimes overcomplicate things when we don't need to. And when you think about corporate responsibility, it is a very simple idea, and it is that Mm -hmm. we should try to maximize the positive impact of business while minimizing or eliminating the negative. And as you said in my other quote, I think that every company does have a social purpose that they try to fulfill on. The, The telephones that we're speaking on are a social good. The radio program here is a social good cars that we drive, the roads that we use, these are all social goods. We may think that some of them are more valuable than others, but they all fulfill on a social purpose. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. The real question is how do we deliver those social goods while minimizing or eliminating any negative impacts that might occur, things like the Bangladeshi fire or pollutants or mm-hmm. uh, other, other ancillary things that occur that are unintended from the original process. And then if we can kind of just think in those very simple terms and think about how do we fulfill as businesses on the social goods that we're trying to do, for trying to provide while eliminating or minimizing any negative impacts, I think it really simplifies and provides a very very, very easy way to kind of create a compass point that you can direct all mm-hmm. of your efforts to. And rather than trying to, to, um, to, to wrap ourselves in a lot of multisyllabic words, we need to keep coming back to that very simple idea and think about how we can do that. You know, if you look at the Bangladeshi fires as an example, uh, I think we're, we're coming up on, a, if we haven't passed the 100-year anniversary of the garment factory fires in mm-hmm. lower Manhattan. Uh, yes. And the answer isn't to stop trading. You know, I've heard some people suggest, oh, hey, let's, let's just stop buying. And, you know, if Americans just stop buying stuff from Bangladesh, this problem mm-hmm. would go away. It won't go away. No. What we need is to figure out how to produce those shirts in a responsible way uh, in, in, in factory conditions that are, um, that are good for the people that are there and be willing to, uh, uh, to take the steps that are necessary to do that. 
Thank you, Richard. You mentioned the word compass. I want to know if you intended to put the word moral in front of compass. Is this a moral compass? Because I mentioned the question of chief conscience officer. Just quickly, what do you think? Should moral go in front of that? Is that what the level of responsibility should be, a moral decision by every company on how they will interact with the rest of the world at every level of business? Well, I, I want to distinguish moral from ethical. Moral okay. means, means making decisions between right and wrong. I think mm-hmm. most people have a fundamental moral compass and can distinguish right from wrong. Ethics, on the other hand, is trying to pick between two rights. So if, ah. as an example, the short-term versus the long-term. So if I have own a business and I know that I'm producing a good right now that is good for the short-term and that that good employs 30,000 people, as an example, but I know that there's the probability, the, you know, a new study has come up that shows that there's a probability that the production processes that I use might produce cancer in some population 30 years from now. I have to weigh the, the right now good of the 30,000 jobs and the product that I produce against right. the probable future of a disease down the line of a long-term impact. So it's, those are two goods. They're two rights. Mm-hmm. You have to weigh those two. So it's an ethical, it's an ethical compass as much as, rather than a moral compass. Thank you. That was, that was heavy. I appreciated that. I'm glad I brought it up because, because the shades are very important to our discussion. Let's round this segment out with Ms. Paula Sullivan from CSC. Paula, we must become the change we want to see in this world. I love this quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Talk to me. How does this relate to our topic of corporate responsibility? What's your point of view? So, so from my perspective, this quote sits pinned up on my desk and I, I look at it often. And when I started doing corporate responsibility back in, Oh, 2003, um, it, it really helped me to focus uh, my thoughts. So to me, it doesn't just say talk about, um, you know, what. it's not about just talking about what you think is wrong in your world. It's about getting out there and taking some personal action to change it. And in business, I see corporate responsibility as being the change agent for sustainable business practice and, and, and leading from the front on it. And, and my own personal enlightenment on corporate responsibility came when I read about the concept of One Planet Living, which was devised by the World Wildlife Fund. And probably a lot of people have heard about this, which is about the fact that we should you know, aim to enjoy a high quality of life within our fair share of Earth's resources. And the fact that mm-hmm. our current resources um, means that our current economic model means we currently use one and a half planets worth of resources right now and if the consumption continues at this rate, we'll need three planets by 2050. Um, and some say if, if we're living like the Americans, it's five planets. But anyway, um, so, so it's about balancing our short-time financial pressures. And un- everyone is under a huge amount of economic pressure at the moment in business. Uh, and, but it's about looking more long-term view, looking at our sustainability as a, you know, as a, as a, as a world. And, um, and, re- and, you know, and I agree, it's about reducing our negative impacts on, on the way that we, we function. And it is about, um, you know, applying um, ethical um, perspective to the, to the work that we do. And, and, and it was tragic about, um, you know, mm-hmm. what's happened in Bangladesh. And that's all down to supply chain management, which I think we're going to talk about, um, you know, as part of this exchange. 
We will. Thank you, Paula. Great thoughts, great perspective. I'm impressed when you said you have this quote from Gandhi on your wall because I wasn't really teasing when I said this needs to be crocheted and put on somewhere. I'm sure people have it. They bought it in every every form factor over the years. So I'm, I'm very pleased and proud to have you on the panel as well. Okay, we're ready for our first break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, or as I usually said, Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're live. It's May 15th. We're talking about response. What kind? Corporate. When we come back, we're going to talk about global citizenship. What kind of competitive advantage can that provide to your company? Yes, it can. It can. We'll be hearing from John Edelman, Richard Crespin, and Paula Sullivan. They have a lot to say, and they're really smart on this topic. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are before we talk about global citizenship, which is a really important and loaded topic. There is an advantage, by the way, all of you business listeners. I'm going to ask my panelists, what's in your cup today? John Edelman, what are you drinking? Or what do you want us to think you're drinking, John? I'm drinking... Crystal Light, out of my Brita filter-free bottle. It's a reminder of what I do every day as a personal commitment to try to reduce waste, but also it's a commitment that our company has shared. We uh, provided a Brita filter-for-good bottle for all of our employees around the world, and it's a great way to give me a reminder of what I do every day and why it's important. I like that. Now, tell me something. What is a filter-free bottle? What is? I know Brita because I have it's, one of their water filters it's, it's in my fridge. It's a bottle. It's the 32-ounce bottle, the, the, the plastic bottle that's reusable. It's a reusable bottle. Very cool. I like that. Talk about sustainability. You're living it. You're walking the walk and talking it and walking it. Good for you, John, and your company. Richard Crespin, what are you drinking today? Something Interesting. Well, Paul, I have three young kids, and my youngest one got me up at four thirty this morning, so I'm on about my fifteenth cup of coffee this morning, which uh, <laughs> has just now gotten a little cold. So I'm ready for my sixteenth. <laughs> and what kind of coffee is it that keeps you supercharged, Richard? Uh, well, I'm actually at another event today at uh, mm-hmm. speaking on resilient DC here in Washington, helping uh, businesses, helping businesses after disasters, and I'm drinking out ah. of a paper cup provided here by the nice folks at Star- Starbucks. 
Okay. Any special Starbucks flavor? We really do want to know. Is it just the no, regular? It's just the, the plain old coffee with a little cream in it. Like like that. Thank you very much. And Paula Sullivan, what are you drinking today from London? Well, um, I'm not drinking coffee because it's um, it's tea time here, Bonnie. So it's, uh, it's it's twenty past four here, so we're, we're at tea time, and I've got my cup of Earl Grey tea. Um, I guess I wanted to share with you, actually, the best cup of tea I ever had was when I was with my husband in Egypt, and uh, we were on a Nile cruise, and the waiters there were dressed in white jackets and gloves, and we were called each afternoon from the top deck where we were sunning ourselves down to afternoon tea by ringing a bell, and it was, it was like being in another era, you know, like in an Agatha Christie novel, you know, Death on the Nile. Uh-huh. So here yes. I am sitting on the deck on the boat on the Nile watching this amazing sunset, very romantic. And my husband then has to go and spoil it by saying, what time does someone get murdered, you know? So <laughs> afternoon tea is the best time of the day, definitely. Paula, that's one of the best stories we've ever had on the show. Thank. You. We knew Brad and I, my engineer, were, were taking bets on whether you would give us a tea story. And he said, I knew it, I knew it, LOL. Oh, well, He's cool. on Skype with me. Of course we knew that, but we didn't quite expect that. <laughs> Tell your husband, boo. Okay, thank yeah, you for that. <laughs> Great story. Well, not quite. You still have a good story out of it. And tell him thanks for the punchline. So let's get down to business here. We are going to be talking about global citizenship. I'm going to kick it off with John Edelman. You told me before the show, global citizenship provides a competitive advantage in, and there's a couple of things here, reputation building. Okay, I get that. Cost savings, I need you to tell me about that, and growth and risk management. This is a big statement, John. I want to have you start it off, and then I'd like Richard and Paula to join in. I think we have a lot to talk about. John, please start. Okay. Um, global citizenship is is a journey. It's evolutionary not revolutionary, but once you start the journey, it can have a definite positive impact on on what you're doing. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it's not only a stakeholder expectation, but it's almost just a license to operate. I recently attended the uh, Boston College Center for Corporate Citizenship, and Timothy Baer, an executive vice president of Target, said, a commitment to environmental sustainability is table stakes, in any conversation of corporate responsibility. This is further reinforced by by the fact that in the Green Business uh, uh, Report of 2013, uh, the study indicated that 60% of the emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, are from indirect sources, scope three sources. In some industries, such as financial services and banking, it's up to 85 to 85%. And in it, the scope three is indirect emissions, like business travel, things that you're not totally overseeing, but has an mm-hmm. impact on, on, on your overall footprint. So it's a reality in that more of your business partners are expecting you to be proactive in reducing your greenhouse gas emissions. In, 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 as a matter of fact, my role, as I said, was, was new uh, two and a half years ago. And right. um, just as I stepped into it, uh, we were getting more and more RFPs that were specifically asking us, tell us what your greenhouse gas emissions are. Tell us the strategies that you're doing to reduce them. And up really? to that point, we had not conducted our carbon footprint, so we really had no handle on what we were doing. And then, you know, even moving... A step further, uh, there is a, an organization called Carbon Disclosure uh, Project. They had recently done a survey a year or so ago that indicated that uh, 
then they surveyed 50 of the largest uh, companies around the world, such as Unilever and others, where the survey indicated that the businesses are now going to hold their business partners accountable, where if you're not making strides to reduce your carbon emissions, you are at risk of, of losing the business. So it mm -hmm. goes to the point that it's a journey, and it's important to start being proactive because at the same time you're getting the, the input from your your customers and clients, you're also getting requirements uh, from government. One of the things that, that we're doing, which uh, there's a big directive in Europe called the EU Directive on Waste and Electronic Equipment, which is mm -hmm. asking that by 2016 that you're a, they're asking the countries to uh, to be able to report that they're uh, re reusing, uh, recycling all the electronic waste, uh, and so then it's going to fall down to the companies operating in those to have systems in place. So for the this year, for the first uh, year, we now have done a, a, a pilot program in the USA. We've we've had a third party vendor called Cloud Blue, you know, re reuse and recycle, take, you know, certify and cleanse our 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 deck and our, our computers and our electronic waste. But then that's a major thing that by 2016 the governments are going to require it and even stock exchanges there's a huge initiative underway mm -hmm. called the investor network on climate risk where there's a network of a hundred investors managing eleven trillion dollars and through their standards committee they're now requiring companies they're making a motion that they're going to put before the world stock exchange in october to require companies that list to report on climate change diversity employee relations, government relations, human rights, product impact and safety, and supply chain. So it's important to start thinking of these ahead of the curve before you're caught up behind the curve, and then your business will, will have an impact. Like if you're not reporting your greenhouse gas emissions because uh, the clients are asking those questions, you would have to say not applicable. So that means you could be mm -hmm. potentially ruled out of getting the business if you're not reporting that. You know, Very the thing good that really point. drove it really drove it home was one of the you know first things I learned of when I uh, started my role was that we had had, had a company that has, was part of this supplier ethical data exchange, which is a web-based portal that asks basic questions on environmental compliance. Do you have um, anti-corruption practices and, and training on, on corruption? Do you have, what are your labor practices? And that was, even though it was a yes-no questionnaire, that's become the standard way that clients are, because there are so many potential business partners, they want to sure. be secure themselves as an, yes. uh, where, where, that their business partners are aligned with these stakeholder expectations. So, John, John, all good points. I want, I want to interrupt you because I want Richard to jump in. Richard, uh, what part of this global citizenship do you want to comment on? Because we're talking about reputation building. We're talking about all of the governance and the standards. And what I'm hearing from John Edelman is that there is a built-in awareness. The world is aware of this, that if you're not aware of it, your conscience might come through an RFP or a board somewhere or somebody wanting to do business with you saying, what are you doing about this? What's your point of view, Richard Crispin? Well, you know, I think one of, one of the, the interesting questions that I get asked a lot is, you know, what, what is the bottom line impact of sustainability and corporate responsibility? And I think the people who are looking for the bottom line impact are looking on the wrong financial report. The bottom line is on the P&L. If you're a publicly traded firm, 80% of your value on average is actually sitting in goodwill over on the balance sheet. 
and those goodwill and intangible assets, your brand, those license to operate issues that uh, that John referred to, and your your global reputation, the real mm-hmm. return on investment. And I think the really forward-looking companies are thinking. Yes, they're thinking about how to use corporate responsibility and sustainability to create new products or to cut costs. But the really forward-looking ones are thinking about how they can create what I call smart power innovations. And I'm borrowing this idea from Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, talked about how countries have smart power, which is a mix of their hard power, their military might, together with their soft power, their diplomacy and their uh, their aid and, and their uh, economic power. Companies have smart power, too. They have hard power in the form of their supply chains and their contracts and their revenues. But they also have soft power in the form of their brand and their corporate citizenship and their philanthropy. And the best companies are thinking about how they can grow that goodwill account on the balance sheet by using a combination of their, their hard power, their economic power, together with their soft power, their citizenship and their sustainability. I think of companies like IBM, who, uh, when I talk to Stan Litow, who's the president of their foundation, he'll tell you that most companies, when they think about philanthropy, they, they use their philanthropy in, in markets where they already are. IBM instead uses their philanthropy in countries where they're not, so that they can mm-hmm. go in and use that, that philanthropy to open up new markets. Or I think about General Mills. When I talk to Ken Powell, who's the CEO over there, he talks about a program that they've put together with USAID, DSM, Cargill, to work on partnerships and food solutions where they're using the, the scientists, the food scientists at those great American agricultural companies to think about how to, how to innovate um, in, in, uh, in the agricultural supply lines, not even for their own companies, but just inside of Africa and other developing countries, how they can create better agricultural conditions and, uh, and growers and distributors within those countries so that maybe 10, 15 years from now, those people who currently can't afford to buy General Mills products could buy General Mills products uh, in the future. So it's, it's those companies that are really thinking about how they can use their smart power innovations and the, the power of their brands and their supply chains to, uh, to open up new markets while also doing good in the communities that they operate. Thank you, Richard. And we're at the point of break, but I have to get Paula's lovely voice in here before we go to break, and then we're going to open the next segment with Paula. Paula, I know you agree with everything everybody's saying, but I know you also think that CR is not just about philanthropy. Uh, just give me a, a taste of your point of view on this, that it goes beyond philanthropy, and then we will continue after the break. Paula Sullivan? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, the point about philanthropy is about that, um, you know, it is about driving cost out through its sustainability and also responding to the stakeholder concerns and issues and our supply chain employee engagement. So with, with environmental management programs, you know, you can identify your key impacts I mean, internally through energy, waste, water, travel, use of natural resources, and then we can, uh, that can help us to not only reduce our carbon footprint but lead to lower power costs. So things like water, waste management, less truck miles, better employee engagement and efficiencies through the business. So, I mean, you know, a great example of, of environmental management programs and, and adding, adding value is, is the Unilever Sustainability um, Director. He talked about the eco-efficiencies that they've been able to achieve. Um, and, and, and since 2008, they've been able to avoid um, 300 million euros of cost um, through making efficiencies in their manufacturing plants. So, you know, it really does, it really can help to hit the bottom line. 
Thank you, Paula. You know what? We've hit the bottom line right here because we're at break time. So thanks thanks for that beautiful segue, Paula. You didn't even know you gave it to me. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're talking to John Edelman from Edelman PR, Richard Crespine from Crespine Enterprises, and Paula Sullivan calling from London from CSC. Don't even think of touching that app. A lot more when we come back. We'll be finding out why Paula Sullivan says today corporate responsibility is a driver of business value. And I know that matters to everybody listening. We'll be right back. Brad out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag sapradio now let's get back to coffee break with game changers Okay, I'm going to ask a question. Why bother? Why bother with corporate responsibility, whether you're a small company, an entrepreneur, mid-sized, fairly established, or you're a behemoth enterprise with tentacles all over the world? Corporate responsibility is a driver of business value. That's what you want. That's what you need, and that's how you survive. That's what Paula Sullivan from CSC says. Paula, let's kick off this segment of the roundtable with your statement. Corporate responsibility today is a driver of business value. How do you see that, Paula? Okay, well, I think, you know, it's, it's also worth just mentioning the fact that, you know, we are, according to Harvard Business School, we're in the middle of a sustainability megatrend, and that's been accelerated by a number of things, so the global financial crisis, the, the ongoing economic uncertainty and slowdown in the maturing markets, and in fact, today I heard that France has gone back into recession. So companies are concerned about the relentless demand for things like innovation, there's an issues around resource scarcity, especially in things like the new middle class, classes emerging in India and China. So there's an awful lot of impact on things like climate change and concerns in supply chain and low trust, you know, in the corporate world and governments. And, there, and I feel there is a general feeling that people expect and demand a higher level of behaviour. And mm-hmm. so looking at drivers for business value, companies should be looking now to integrate corporate responsibility into an an integrated corporate sustainability approach to support their business strategy. And and if you integrate CR into your business strategy, you can really make some significant changes, both in your operational, you know, management decisions and and future practices and products and services um, for the company, but also to mitigate risk and generate revenue. And a great example of that is the motor industry and innovation like Toyota, so Toyota's mm-hmm. strategy for environmental um, strategy is, is hybrids, electric vehicles, you know, fuel cell technologies. So, 
So companies that are, you know, uh, forward thinking are really embracing corporate responsibility and, and, and building it in as part of their of their business value. And, and you know, it's, it's already been mentioned about the 20% is, you know, is, is the financial and 80% are the, you know, the non-financial parts of, of a business. So it's, it's so important to incorporate environmental, social and government issues into in governance issues into core business practice as strategic competitive objectives. Thank you, Paula. Great way to kick off this segment. Richard Crispin, agree, disagree? You want to expand on what Paula said? What's your thought on this? No, I, do. I very much agree with what Paula said. I mentioned in the last segment that I, I really a lot of the value in corporate responsibility lies in the balance sheet for publicly traded companies. Mm-hmm. But you can also think about small and medium-sized firms as well. When In my old role, when I was executive director of the Corporate Responsibility Officers Association, we did an annual survey with the New York Stock Exchange, and we looked at um, – pretty much every publicly traded firm on the on the exchange, but we also looked at small and medium-sized businesses. And what we saw was that uh, big businesses do a lot of corporate responsibility and small businesses do a lot of corporate responsibility, mm-hmm. especially uh, companies that are less than five years old in, in what we would call startup uh, mode, and right. that where, you, where you kind of have this fall-off is in the middle with mid-sized businesses. And the reason why we see that in, in our, from our analysis is that big businesses do it because they have to. They're either required to do a lot of it by law or regulation, or they're under so much public scrutiny that they, they really feel compelled to do it. Small, small businesses do it because it's in their DNA. And right now with this rising generation, we have so much focus on these issues and such a greater awareness of the interconnectedness of our society and that, that business is not uh, external to society, but rather is actually part of society and is part of the environment. Uh, and they, they, so they, they really adopted it and taken it on as a core principle and value. Mid-sized businesses kind of struggle with this stuff uh, in large measure, we think, because when you're a small business, you can use Excel spreadsheets and other smaller tools to manage this stuff. Mm-hmm. When you're a big business, you can turn to partners like SAP and others to help you manage it. Mid-sized businesses are really struggling to to manage it. They want to do it, and they do see value in doing it, but they have trouble managing those programs because there's a hole in the market there for tools to help them manage it. Interesting. So it's tool-driven, you're saying. They love to. They have the awareness, the conscience. That word I keep coming back to, or I'm going to ask you all about a CCOC, Chief Conscience Officer, or even hard to say, or probably hard to do, too. Uh, so it's it's the tools, you're saying, the mid-sized companies. Do you think it's because perhaps they've been around, as you said, more than five years, that it's not ingrained in the DNA of the company, and they're not as, shall we say, perhaps cutting edge or visible, where they're, they're just doing their business? Business and it's not a, in their case, uh, going back to what Paula said, it's not a, it might be a nice to have. It's not a must have. Do you think that's the case, Richard? Um, it's, it's, it's something where they're on the bubble, where if they yes. had inexpensive tools that would help them manage it, I think <clears throat> that they would, that you would see a much higher adoption rate. Interesting. Okay. John Edelman, I want to bring you into this because you sent me an interesting statement. We've been talking about the company as an entity, as a global citizen, but we haven't been talking about the people who work at the company or the prospective workforce staff. So you sent me an interesting statement, John, in your prep notes, and you said the net impact of CR, corporate responsibility, is that millennials – 
are willing to take a 15% pay reduction to work for companies that do good. This is a huge statement about the way the world is going, the ethics, the awareness, all the things we've been talking about. So talk to me, John Edelman. Where, what kind of research did you use to find this? And is this across the board in all industries, in all geographies? Tell me more, please. Well, this that quote was from the Net Impact Survey that they do every okay. year of all their net impact chapters, which is of the millennials. And there was a specific question in there about, uh, you know, if you're, you know, your commitment and your purpose, you know, and people, you know, with what's happened in today and the lack of trust and people wanting to, to make a difference in the world, we've seen a huge interest that our employees are really uh, very focused on, on wanting to work at a place that, that makes that makes a difference. And so, you know, it, it has come even, you know, before I took had my role in, in global citizenship, I was involved with the global human resources and where the questions used to be on training and development, a lot are very focused on tell me, tell me about what your purpose is, tell me how you're involved in the community, tell me how you're trying to make a difference in, in the world. And those are, are, are key issues that, that the future workforce is looking at. And also, the other thing is that it's a great way to engage employees. Uh, that's an important part of global citizenship is the employee engagement. So I think it's a, a general trend where employees, you know, are wanting to, to make a difference and, and they want to work at a place because, you know, where – yes, the, the reputation of the company is, is strong, but – you know, it's not all about money. It's all about you know trying to make a difference in the world. And so that that fact that I came came from the Net Impact Survey, where that was clearly mm-hmm. pointed out. But I think in general, more and, and more and more employees are concerned about the environmental issues and and really trying to make a difference uh, in their communities. Thank you very much, John. Richard, what do you think about this? Uh, your perspective, any reflections on this net impact survey report? Yeah, you know, we actually did another survey uh, last year with Corporate Responsibility Magazine, and we looked at unemployed and employed individuals across all age demographics. And one of the things we found in the survey was that if you would, if a company had experienced a major reputation event, you know, something where they were exposed in the media for having done something that was considered unethical, uh, the actual the number goes way up in terms of what they would want, what an employee would want to, uh, to switch jobs to go work for them. It, it, uh, I think the net impact survey was about 15%. It was as high for about uh, more than half of respondents said they would need at least a 50% increase in pay. And there was a solid 30% that said they would never go work for such a company. And there was a group that said it would, you know, it would take uh, doubling their pay if you'd had a, a negative reputation event. Interesting. Paula, what do you think? What's your, what does I your perspective? Me actually of, of something I've read before, which is around that um, when someone's looking to join a company, the first page they go to on the web is, is obviously the jobs page. And then the second page is the corporate responsibility pages. So they're the most popular pages to, to access and, and get to know about what a, you know, what a company's values are and beliefs and whether they've got community investment programs. And I do agree with what's been said. I mean, we, we employ an awful lot of graduates at CSC and they are the ones that step up when we run community investment, uh, you know, engagement opportunities. They're the ones that want to get involved. They're the ones that ask questions about our environmental management programs uh, when they're coming in and being interviewed for, for the role. 
Um, and it does seem to be, you know, this is the, 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 the new generation of, of um, wanting to make sure they're working for a company that's reputational, you know, got a good reputation, has, has employee engagement, has all, you know, um, all the things that they're looking for, even down to, you know, have you got a gym? Just to reinforce that, I mean, yes, one of the indicators that we look for in our trust barometer, which we've done for, for 11 years, is who are your most trusted people that you would listen to? And the number one trusted is people like yourselves, which usually happens to be an employee or your friends. Mm -hmm. So if you have your employees, employees positively talking about their experience at the company, that they participate in this volunteerism effort, then you're creating goodwill even outside of, you know, what you're doing day to day is that you have your employees as your champions talking about how great it is to work at, at this company because they're so committed to the citizenship and making a difference in the world. So that makes you feel good internally. I mean, if the employees are engaged and motivated, then then that's also part of a sustainable company is having an engaged workplace that's very excited mm -hmm. and enthusiastic about uh, about showing up every day and working at a place where where they're trying to make a difference every day. And Bobby, Great if point. I could just yes, pile on one quickly. more thing there. Sure. You know, the other, just so for for people who might think, oh, this is just a bunch of soft-headed millennials. You know, the other proxy that we see here when we talk to the socially responsible investor community and to the other broader investment community, what they tell us is the reason why they, and these are hard numbers-driven people, why they care about corporate responsibility is because it's a, it's a proxy for risk in an increasingly interconnected world where people can find out what's happening in your third-tier supply chain somewhere around, you know, halfway around the world. These investors want to know if you've got uh, mm -hmm. skeletons hiding in your closets and the millennials kind of instinctually get that on a level which gets expressed in the ways that we've just been talking about. But I think that they're actually sort of, sort of like the canaries in the mine here for us as a society. And also, you know, they're reflecting the same exact principle that these hard-minded investors tell us when they think about corporate responsibility. Thank you. You've all taken me right up to the break. Great segment. Thank you all for jumping in. A lot of ground we've covered. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're talking about CR, corporate responsibility. Must have, nice to have. When we come back, it's time for my guests to polish off that crystal ball. Look ahead five years to 2018 and tell me, will we still be talking about CR? Will it be so ingrained that we won't even have to mention it? Will it be a just do it, we're doing it? Or will it be a what CR? When did people talk about that? We'll find out what the future is bringing. You don't want to miss these predictions. Smart people. John Edelman, Richard Crespin, Paula Sullivan. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. We're ready for the crystal ball segment. It's time for some really great predictions from John Edelman, Edelman PR, Richard Crespin, Crespin Enterprises, and Paula Sullivan from CSE. So, John Edelman, I'm going to give you about a minute and a half. What do you see in the crystal ball? Can you look ahead five years for me, John, to 2018? What do you see? Okay, uh, a couple of things. I think, number one, I believe this concept of integrated reporting is going to become a standard in, in three to five years, uh, which is one both one report financial and non-financial. Um, mm-hmm. Second, uh, I believe that reporting on natural capital, which is becoming more and more critical, as you see recently, we've crossed the 400 parts per million of, of carbon dioxide, that I believe natural capital will be a standard disclosure item by 2020, um, where you're measuring emissions, water use, waste. Uh, I also uh, believe that there will maybe even be a global carbon tax by 2020. You already see comp- uh, country, uh, California has one, um, China has, Australia has. So I think the more people are concerned about the climate change and the increased carbon dioxide, that, that this car- global carbon tax is, is going to be down the road. Um, so those would be some of my predictions for the short term and long term. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Let's turn to Richard Crespin. Can you go five years for me, Richard? How far can you see on a clear day? Uh, well, I'm going to try to go five years, and I want to start with one of the questions you asked at the very beginning about this. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have a chief compliance or chief uh, conscience officer? Mm-hmm. We already have some of those today, these, these corporate responsibility officers. Uh, and what I see is going to happen is that corporate responsibility is going to remain on the agenda for the next five years, it is going to become increasingly integrated into operations and into reporting, as John said. But I think that that that, that um, chief responsibility uh, officer function will re- will remain. It'll become kind of like the CFO in that everybody's job will be it has in some ways a job about, around finance and thinking about the bottom line. But uh, you still have a, a separate function, a separate officer as a CFO. I think you'll still see that five years from now as a CRO. I also think that what you're going to see is a, is a change, and I'm going to make a political prediction here. I think that mm-hmm. the Republican Party is going to increasingly look at corporate responsibility as their issue, and they're going to look at it as an alternative to regulation and legislation in a way that, that as Republicans representing conservative values, that they can uh, help to try to manage these issues voluntarily as opposed to turning to uh, legislation and regulation. Very interesting. Okay, we don't usually do politics on the show, but good to know. Those of you looking for predictions, you heard it first from Richard Crespin. I'm going to make a disclaimer, not from SAP Radio. (laughs) The views and opinions expressed by our guests are theirs entirely. Richard, I'm teasing you, but not. Paula Sullivan, look ahead. How shiny is that crystal ball, Paula? How far ahead can you see? Well, I, I do agree with uh, with both the guys on the integrated reporting. I think that's quite clear. That's coming through loud and clear. 
Um, I hope we'll continue to see an increased focus um, by companies in employee engagement programs and, and recognizing the, the value, uh, the business value of their employees, you know, to be treated as human beings and not human doings. Um, and I guess um, from a community perspective, that's an area that I work in. I think if the economic squeeze continues, then companies will move to more pro bono skills giving um, as opposed to direct corporate donations. And I think they'll use the um, corporate investment programs to, to, um, to, to develop learning and, uh, you know, learning and development opportunities for staff. They use it as a win-win. I think the Generation uh, Y, the millennial social media technology platforms will continue to spread and it's going to, you know, right into business, deep into politics, education, healthcare. I think there'll be clear technology um, advancements that impact our lives and the transparency of the reporting, whether businesses like it or not, it's here and we know what everyone is doing um, as the world gets a smaller place. So um, I think we'll continue to see extreme weather patterns. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see too much around, um, you know, um, a, a shift to a green economy. I think it's going to continue to be slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a from a DNA of a, of a corporate responsibility officer, I think what they should be looking to is, is someone who has the qualities of an authentic leader. So someone who's ethical, collaborative pro-social, people-focused. I think we've got an awful lot of numbers-driven, task-focused individuals. I think this person needs to be more of a, a, a people-focused person. I think mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they need to understand the industry they're in. Um, a lot of uh, top jobs in CR in the UK is uh, given to people that have been in the business for a, a number of years because um, they, pe- companies need them to understand how they operate. So, so I think it you know, will be an, a homegrown role. Um, for someone who's visionary and persuasive and, and patient but is willing to take risks. So that's my Thanks. input. Thank you, Paula. That's great. I have a bonus question. We've got four minutes till the end. I need two for me to close. So let's see if we can divide and conquer this extra. It's about a minute and a half by now. My question to all three panelists is, if you work for, let's go back to, I think Richard said, a mid-sized company, not so much on the awareness on the corporate responsibility, kind of not finding the tools to do it. They might not, might like to. It's a nice to have, not quite a must-have. Either they can't afford it or they can't get their arms around it yet. So, Let's start with Richard quickly. If you are a millennial working for a mid-sized company that does not have social awareness, does not have a corporate conscience mindset, forget about the officer, the mindset, what can you do as an employee to bring it to the attention without getting your hand slapped and told, go home and be green in your own garbage collection or whatever? Quick advice to an employee who wants to bring this to the company, doesn't know how. Richard, start with you quickly. That is a great question. I think that what you, you can do is very uh, very much dedicate yourself to understanding the business, understanding the strategy, understanding the operations, and learning how people within that business talk about it, look at it, evaluate it, measure it, and then frame your arguments from within that context. If you're coming in with this kind of holier-than-thou attitude of, hey, I'm going to green up this operation, you're going to be rejected. You're going to get um, that 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 initiative push back in your face. But if you can really put yourself empathetically in the role of the CFO, of the COO, of the CEO, and think about how they're going to have to explain whatever your idea is to the investors, to the street, to the other employees, then I think you're going to have a much better time of it. Thank you. Great advice. John Edelman, can you give me a 30-second answer? Similar, agree, disagree, and quickly, what do you think? I think employees... uh, 
have the opportunity now. I think it's uh, there's a greater consciousness among uh, businesses, and just doing volunteer work is good for for each company and for the community to build, you know, uh, community engagement because that's an important part of being a successful operation in, in a company. Thank you very much. And Paula Sullivan, rounding this out, what's your thought on if you're an employee, perhaps a millennial, you want to bring awareness to CR, corporate responsibility to your company. How do you do it? Quick, Paula. I think what you need to do is ask lots of questions. Why, why aren't we doing these things? What, you know, looking at the key risks, the issues, the opportunities in your business, and then find something to hook on, either a social uh, initiative or an environmental one, and then just build slow. Start with something small and work up and, and see whether you can become a social entrepreneur within your own company. Wonderful. Beautifully put. Thank you, panelists, for playing with me with the last question. I told you, I warned you there'll be a couple of curveballs here. I've got a minute to wrap up. Let's see. Coming up on Coffee Break with Game Changers next Wednesday, we will be live on May 22nd with How Smart is BI Without a Strategy? Part 4. Welcoming back Jason Rose, Josh Greenbaum, and Brian Summer. What a trio. And uh, if you're in Orlando, enjoy Sapphire Now 2013. And coming up next Tuesday on our other series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, May 21st. You don't want to miss this one spotlight on anti-bribery anti-corruption and may 28th the evolution of business planning special thanks to john edelman richard crespin paula sullivan wonderful panel thanks for playing with me great job shout outs to malcolm kimberlin i'll see you soon in the cone of silence at orlando this afternoon for another dozen interviews anka rebel have a great vacation mark delisi at csc thank you for introducing us to paula sullivan she rocked and thanks to brad and ryan and everyone at the business channel team okay i'm bonnie d graham and here's my call to action. Put on your seatbelt. Here we go. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you next week on Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.